0: Where'd you find this? Let it sit. Don't (laughs) say. Don't say anything. Just let it sit.
1: Don't give him a platform. Yeah. Sorry. Blue. 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 Craig is here. Craig is now blue instead of orange on my computer.
0: I still think that's a bad thing. I still can't get over it. Um, He's. He's definitely orange on my screen. Yeah. Same here. This is
1: episode, what, 104, Tony?
0: Yep, 104.
1: We've got kind of a spectacular episode for you. Um, it's Halloween uh, next Tuesday. It is? Yeah. Let's talk some spooky shit. Let's talk some football.
0: Yeah. I hope you guys had a good week. Um, I'm optimistic because Henry Kissinger might be dying soon, but Woo! then again.
2: Dude, let's like, hope my editing, and this is released. Rest in piss, old man.
0: If, if. If Henry Kissinger is dead before this episode comes out, which means it would have to, he would have to die tonight, I'll play Cool in the Gang's celebration underneath like, this whole <laughs> segment. I didn't know he was alive. Yeah, that Dude, fucking hate, ghoul. Hate, pe- hate keeps people alive for a long ass time. Yeah, who knew the secrets of longevity? Why do a lot of the bad people always live to be 100?
2: I don't know, also, like, I hate to turn this into, like, the Henry Kissinger hate podcast. Um, No, please. But, like, I don't understand how that fucker is still, like, being invited to things at 100 years old, post-COVID. Like, maybe, like, it's the inside job of they're trying to kill him, right? Like, thank (laughs) you if you are. But, like, holy shit. Like, hey, let's get Grandpa on the fucking airplane. Like, Mm -hmm. do you know how hard it is to move, like, normal adults on an airplane? Let alone, I'm sure he has a private jet and shit. But even then, it's, like, you got to corral him in the minivan.
1: I'm also sure he doesn't believe in COVID, so. Yeah. He looks like COVID.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, He looks like, uh, never mind. All right, so hopefully he looks (laughs) like a guy that'll be dead soon. Um, So, Ryan, as per tradition, uh, the Henry Kissinger part's not tradition, but it should be. Why don't you start us off? Sure. So I wanted to talk about,
1: we never talked a lot about players that um, played in the 60s. So I wanted to talk about a player that played in the 60s this week. I want to talk about Bernie Parrish. Okay. Nothing like super crazy about this guy's career or or his life, but um, just an all-around really good football player. He was born in California but grew up in Florida. He actually went to the University of Florida in Gainesville he played halfback, defensive back for Bob Woodruff's Florida Gators football team in 56 and 57. Okay. He had a game, his best game in his college career. He rushed for 111 yards, um, scored both touchdowns for the Gators. He uh, kicked both extra points. <laughs> he caught an interception. Uh, he made seven tackles and helped the team win 14 to 7. That was weak. I don't know. I don't know what week it was, but they they beat Vanderbilt fourteen to seven. He's a famously defensive player in the NFL, but he played offense in high school and college. Hell yeah. He also played baseball in college. Um and actually uh his career or no, his junior year of college was his best year. He batted four hundred and four thirty-three. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He led the team, it runs batted in, doubles, hits, home runs, and he was the Gators first ever team baseball All American. How about that? Damn. And believe it or not, back in nineteen sixty, you could get a degree in building construction. Nice. I don't I don't know if that's something you can get today. I thought that was more of like a learned on site thing, but
2: Yeah, they just took down a the expertise and like yeah that's under your job title we're gonna pay you
1: half as much now it's not like a degree in architecture but in 1960 he graduated with a degree in building construction okay he's also in the university of florida hall of fame so in 1958 the browns drafted him uh he played from the browns from 59 to 66 he has a touch or sorry yeah he has a touchdown on an interception for 92 yards Nice. He even intercepted a pass from the great Y.A. Tittle. Oh. And actually on that play, Tittle had to tackle Parrish to keep him from scoring. He made it all the way down the field in the last line of defense. You know, Tittle had to take him down. He played eight seasons in the NFL. They were all with the Browns, but in the last season with the Browns, like, they wanted him to split time with another defensive player and he said screw you so he finished he retired as an oiler in the afl. Okay. Uh playing the last half of the 66 season. Uh yeah eight years he had a hundred regular 105 regular season games he had 31 interceptions and he returned all those interceptions for five hundred and fifty seven yards and three touchdowns. Wow nice so decent decent career nothing crazy to write home about he did a bunch of stuff uh, later on in his career he has a book called they call it a game um and it's about the uh, economics and politics of the nfl cool he even included controversial allegations that the nfl had fixed outcomes of some of its games although a lot of people say he didn't have substantial evidence to support that but back in the 60s Come on. You know, what is no one's going to write shit down? Nothing's on the internet. Right. It's all hearsay. He probably heard a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Went on to be a hotel developer. He lived a pretty long life. He was born in 36, and he died like, yeah, 2017. He died. So he lived a pretty long life. Damn. He um, did. But yeah, that's just a little quick profile on a uh, interesting player, Bernie Parrish.
0: That is an interesting player. I like that. I like Bernie Parrish. Seems cool even though like the politics of football in 1960s and the politics of football now are just so drastically different
1: right uh he was actually he was actually involved in a class action lawsuit against the NFL the or sorry the NFL players association and they ended up getting 28 million dollars for the players that was in the 2000s but actually wait it says that the NFLPA appealed the judgment in 2009 Oh, but they eventually settled the case. So,
0: okay. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think it's always okay for you to sue your job. If they're going to take your job, then you have the right to sue them. I just think suing your job is cool and good. Like, fuck it. Give me more money. Right now. Immediately.
1: (laughs) I I guess if your job, you know, you you make millions of dollars and you have the ability to sue someone and hold someone in court.
0: Right. And have like a comparable legal defense team. Right, and take on the
1: entity that can't just hold you in litigation for two years while you run out of money.
0: That's true. you shot down
1: that
2: fucking movie idea so
0: fast. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should just make a shirt that says, sue small businesses. (laughs) Their lawyers are way worse. They usually just self-destruct. They'll always settle. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm going to hop in next. I wanted to talk about something. I wanted it to be spooky. It turned out kind of morbid uh and and tragic today we're going to talk about a contingency plan that all the major sports leagues have in order to finish out a season when something really really bad happens to players did we talk about this or or, or, like it was something we talked about something like what
1: happens if a entire team dies in a plane crash or something like that we've
0: touched we've touched on it but we're going to go more in depth in it today for sure hell yeah We're going to talk about something called the disaster
1: draft.
0: Let's briefly run through the events that helped lead to the creation of disaster draft rules. Munich air disaster. These are mostly plane crashes. Munich air disaster was a plane crash in West Germany. that killed 23 of the 44 team personnel on board, Uh, 16 players from the Cal Poly football team in a plane crash in 1960. Wichita state had 37 team personnel and players die in 1970 um, obviously, Marshall in 1970, so that's two in one year. The Humboldt Broncos minor league hockey bus crash killed 16 players. Wow. The one that was most notable was in 1970, 1997, no, sorry, 1977, the entire University of Evansville basketball team died in a plane crash. Freshman guard David Furr was not on the plane since he was out for the season already with an ankle injury. And two weeks later, he and his brother died in a car crash.
1: Are you serious?
0: That's some Final Destination shit, dude. Yeah. Oh, you th- you think you're going to get away? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right, so now the, the real question is, what the hell happens when an unspeakable tragedy occurs? And the answer is, it varies from league to league. So we are going to start with Major League Baseball. Rule 19 in the MLB rule book is their version of the disaster draft. If an event occurs that causes the, quote, Death, dismemberment, or permanent disability end quote, of five players from the active, suspended, or injured roster. This rule triggers. The number is six players if it occurs during the off-season. So when that happens, the decision goes to the commissioner to decide if the team can continue to play. If the commissioner says yes, they hold what's called a restocking draft. Uh, the team can select no more than one player from the same team, and they draft the number of players to replace the ones lost. So every other team has to make five players eligible for drafting minimum one pitcher, one catcher, one infielder, and one outfielder, and then one whatever. Um, If the commissioner decides the team can't continue, the season is canceled. So the NBA is similar to the MLB. If five or more players on a team are dead or dismembered, a draft is triggered where every team can actually only protect five players to allow the rebuilding team to get some good dudes. Sure. That's like seems way more equitable. So we'll do the NHL. The NHL is also pretty similar, but uh, a, di- a minor difference is the players selected from the other rosters are compensated from a special fund that is created exclusively for incidents like this. Because the question is, like, who pays these guys, right? Yeah. So after the team gets their goalie and 14 skaters, they do a draft for them to get the rest of their players, and each team can protect 10 dudes.
1: Oh, uh, I, I thought that they just like went to the Tim Hortons in Vancouver and picked <laughs> out five guys. And here you are, six feet tall. Here is some skates.
0: Yeah. Right, let's let's be real, dude. If you go into a Tim Hortons in Vancouver and talk to five dudes, four of them can play. You know what I mean? And like two of that's, them might even true. be on a roster.
1: <laughs> right? They're on like the Yukon uh, grass records or something.
0: <laughs> so, all right. So the NFL actually I, what it has I believe, to be the most interesting disaster draft protocol in all the major American sports. So, first off, in the NFL, the league has drawn a distinct difference between what is considered a near disaster and a disaster. And that, that number is 15. Oh, wow. If less than 15 players are affected, no special draft takes place. Instead, the team gets a first spot on waivers for the rest of the season but even if if it's 15 or less and it's near disaster if one of those fifth players is a quarterback the team is allowed to get two quarterbacks choosing from any two teams that have three available quarterbacks which i would imagine now is all of them because of that new rule to have the third right. quarterback
1: so they the, can just literally they can just literally say i want Tua and he has to go to that team
0: no they can protect him obviously but like Oh, okay. But here's the best part. The two quarterbacks that are drafted by the disaster team will return to their original teams at the end of the season. Oh, shit. Yep. Sorry, Skylar Thompson, you're going back to fucking Miami. Should a team suffer an event that disables or kills over 15 players, it's classified as a disaster and triggers a different protocol. The commissioner then gets one, like, unanimous decision to decide if the team needs to cancel its remaining games. If... The commissioner decides that the team is a disaster. The team's games are canceled. They get the first pick in the next draft, and they get a special draft where the other teams can only protect thirty two of their fifty three players. Wow. even if it even if it's over fifteen and the commissioner decides that it's like they can still finish their season, it goes back to the near disaster.
2: hey, Roger Goodell, I know you listen to this podcast. I know you just gave yourself a promotion. <laughs> if this ever happens, please do the craziest shit and allow this to happen. Don't be cheap. Don't try to save product. Cause chaos up in the whole fucking league.
0: And I'm, I'm glad that your, your direct call to, to Roger Goodell will pair well with mine. So if you're an NFL team going through unspeakable tragedy and Roger Goodell is deciding that the show must go on, I hope you enjoy your quarterback room featuring Brian Hoyer and Kellen Mond.
2: Doesn't he make like $80 million now or some shit a year? Probably. It's something ridiculous, yeah.
0: So that, my friends, is the disaster draft protocol.
2: That's so crazy. Nice. I'm glad they have something in place, you know what I mean? Like, COVID really showed that everything was in, up in chaos when real shit happened, so hopefully yep. we never have to see that. Yep. All right, Shane, take it away. My guy's kind of a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week we saw two players get arrested, one for uh, negligence and one for something probably really heinous. I don't really want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I figured, you know what, we should look at people who've been like the most arrested in the NFL Ooh,
0: and initially it was kind of awesome.
2: cool. And then shit got really dark. Cause there's a lot of pieces of shit who have played in the NFL. So we're going to go along the lines of an exercise of mental illness. Isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility with Barrett Robbins. Oh, so so Barrett Robbins went to TCU and was drafted by the Raiders in 95 in the second round. He became the f- only fifth starting center in Raiders history at this point, which is like crazy to think about, like how long that franchise existed, how long people right. played that position yeah. during this season. The mask uh, first started to slip of a potential mental health scare. But being at the night, being in the 90s, no one really gave a shit. Robbins was found disoriented and wandering around the team hotel in Denver before the game, missing the game. So in the 2000 season, this is kind of when the Raiders kick off and start going on their tear. Robbins went missing again a week before the AFC Championship game was but was found 24 hours before the game started, where the Raiders would lose to the Ravens 16 to three. In 2002, Robbins would have a career year and make the Pro Bowl and would go on to play in the Super Bowl or where the the uh, Raiders would go on to play in Super Bowl 37 in San Diego. Robbins would again be reported missing the day before the game. Rumors were that he was off his antidepressants and started drinking across San Diego with random people. And he was even rumored to be seen in Tijuana, Mexico, which is like, if you're familiar with that area, it's like maybe an hour and a half drive. It's not too far, but you yeah. still have to go across the border.
1: Right. Right. It's, just, it's that border town right below San Diego. Right. Yeah. Correct.
2: Yeah. A uh, big party town too. Um, I'm sure it's like gotten better since the 90s or the, late two, or the early 2000s. Um, I've never been, but eventually he was located later that night and was put in a cab to go back to the team hotel. He had no idea where he was at this time. Initially, Al Davis still wanted him to play, but Coach Willie Brown had Robbins run wind sprints in the morning before the Super Bowl, and he was determined that he wouldn't be able to start, but he was eligible to play in the Super Bowl. But, however, cooler heads did prevail, and ultimately he was suspended by the team for the game. Head coach Bill Callahan wanted to send him back to Oakland on a plane, but he was unable to get him a plane ticket because he was missing his wallet and identification. Robbins woke up and thought the Super Bowl was already played, where they won, which is why he went on a bender the day before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Robbins actually believed he was headed to Hawaii to play in the Pro Bowl that day. So his wife would ask him where he thought he had to be that day, and Robbins replied, Church? Robbins would then enter the Betty Ford Center where he would be finally diagnosed properly as being manic depressive bipolar. So in 2003, he'd finally be cut by the Raiders, but not because of his mental health episodes or his issues, but because he was one of many teammates on a list from the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative that were caught dishing out performance-enhancing drugs, and as well as pee pissed hot for steroids, specifically from a steroid that was directly attached to the Bay Area lab. Oof so this is this is kind of where his string of arrests occur a few months later on christmas eve robbins was arrested for punching a security guard for not letting him into the club two years later he was shot three times at a brawl with police in miami beach and would be charged with attempted murder for the brawl so he got shot by cops and was charged with attempted murder oh my god So he would enter a plea of five charges, including attempted murder and was sentenced to five years probation, receive treatment for his bipolar disorder and avoid alcohol. But for some reason, Florida was just like, you know what? You're good. Go ahead. So he basically spent the last decade or so in jail or rehab due to his substance issues. In 2008, he entered rehab in Houston and was transferred to a halfway house in 2009 during 2009, he did an interview with HBO where he would say that before his bipolar diagnosis, he'd do the most 90s thing possible and cope with his mood swings with alcohol, coke, weed, and steroids, which oh. seems like a nightmare concoction when you like look at it yeah. from a 2023 lens. So in 2010, he was pulled over in Dallas and was found in possession of crack. 2011, he was sentenced to five years in Florida prison for violating a parole, but was released in 2012, again, for whatever the fuck Florida thinks is fine. Uh, In 2016, he he punched a mother and daughter in Boca Raton, Florida, where he was arrested again and charged twice for felony battery and sent to a mental health care facility finally. And in 2020, he was accused of dine and dashing, where he ended up fleeing on foot and decided to throw rocks at the restaurant employee who accused him of stealing. He was arrested again, and that's the last update of uh, Barrett Robbins. Oh my God!
1: Wait, so he's not dead, right? No, he's still alive. He looks really rough. There's a couple pictures of him,
2: but yeah, he's.
1: I was gonna say so that we don't have like uh, like an autopsy to say that he has CT or anything like that, or. Yeah, I think it's
2: honestly like a perfect concoction of every negative trait we've ever pulled from somebody on this platform of like head injury, sure. mental illness, substance addiction issue, substance addiction issues, people who do care about him not doing like enough because you can't really help somebody who doesn't want help. Right. So he's kinda yeah, just yeah. like a problem of the state now.
0: Man, that's like really, really sad. <laughs> like I yeah. you know oh, have I mean? Halloween like, fuckers. <laughs> well, like my issue is that, like, he didn't dash. That's the key part of the dine and dash, right? Like,
2: well, he ran away and then he came back.
0: You can't do that. That doesn't reset. Like, this isn't, yeah. You know, how big, get,
2: you, know how, you know how big this guy was?
0: Uh, big enough for me to not get mad at him if he <laughs> ran out of my restaurant <laughs> yeah. without paying. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia like, had him
2: oh, listed at 6'3,
1: 350. Oh my God. He was that big yeah no then then i understand why he got away with the stuff that he got away with (laughs) yeah you can tell that guy no
0: (laughs) that's fucking terrifying all right so do you want to shane you want to hop into the segment that you have planned something yeah i did
2: since I scared the shit out of everybody right now, I think I should scare you again. Um, I'm because ready. Because we're, half, we're halfway through the season, uh, basically, of knowing if you're going to make playoffs or not, right? So I wanted to do this exercise of, hey, it's October, it's scary, and it's also the scary part of fantasy football because like your season just might be over right now, right? So I'm gonna do the most haunted lineup you could have drafted in 2023 based on ADP. I did 10 rounds, or sorry, 12 rounds based upon Fantasy Pros ADP ranges in PPR and corresponded it to the 33rd team edge current fantasy standings of players in PPR.
0: Ooh, okay. So, Excellent.
2: So I didn't really have like a draft slot because it'd be kind of difficult to be like I'm drafting for the 108 spot and then like certain things wouldn't line up, right? Um, so we're just gonna go round by round and. I did try to avoid people who suffered season-ending injuries, but some of these guys obviously do have injury designations because it's obviously a violent game, and sometimes you do step on the landmine. So first round, this goes. I actually did the, the the thing and listened to our hater segment, and I was like, man, we're pretty good at predicting predicting these guys. Okay. Round one was pretty difficult for me because initially I did Nick Chubb, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm I can't do injured players. That's stupid. Sure. So then I thought then I thought Cooper Cup, and I was like, you know what? even if he doesn't hit his season projections, he's still on target for like 10 targets a game. And it's, it's still fine. He's not going to return like top five upside, but like he can return top 12, whatever it's sure. It can be worse. But as of right now, who we talked about is Austin Eckler currently running, currently running back 44. So he's had an injury riddled season and the opening portion of the season had stiff competition. So he didn't have a lot of production, um, when he has been on the field, he's had a good target share, but all his metrics this year have been pretty bad on this offense in regards to like tackles, evasions, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this offense is extremely anemic right now. It kind
1: of honestly reminds me of last year, but like
2: the opposite side of the coin of really shitty.
0: Um, sure. Yeah.
1: Is it a product of just him getting older, Shane, or is it just more of a product of them trying other schemes uh realizing that he's not going to be on the team for much longer i think it's that fact and like they don't have a bruiser you know what i mean of like
2: they can't do the the zeke tony pollard thing where like austin eckler is a much better talent compared to whoever is behind him right and when they're trying to like run him up the middle, it doesn't work because that's not the type of player he is. And like Justin Herbert accuracy is like so shitty right now because he's so under pressure as well as his finger. There's a whole host of options. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm about to say nuclear thing of like don't draft chargers going forward <laughs> f- for the time being. Um But yeah, it's it's not good. And like you said, I I think they're not that they're trying to face him out because he's like the only hope this offense has, but I definitely think it's like they're trying to do things that they shouldn't, right? Like when they kept like trying to run them up the middle against Dallas, I was like, "What are we doing here?" I didn't even watch yeah, the week right. because I knew it was going to be a
0: beatdown. Austin Eckler was going to underproject is something I said in fucking June, and we were getting hated on for it too. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. the hater, the haters and losers.
2: <laughs> so, so the next guy I have is Jalen Waddle, currently wide receiver, thirty nine in PPR. So there's this whole, like we talk about in the discord and a uh, full tilt has it as well. Um, it's the nesting doll ideology behind wide receivers where you have this basically accumulation of guys who will kind of all do the same thing. Um, we'll talk about the next guy in round three as well, but he's part of this. Um, it's Jalen Waddle, take T Higgins, Devonta Smith, where you can all kind of get replaceable, not replaceable, but you get repeatable wide receiver two production from a wide receiver two on their team. So it's basically a, chicken game of not drafting the guy who can give you the same production at the highest value you can sure um, because jalen wall has missed a game this year he's been banged up he has 41 targets and 30 catches in five games for 359 yards with two touchdowns unfortunately he has an 8.2 a dot um, and it's really not the return we wanted to see with him being drafted as wide receiver at 11 and now uh, tony you've kind of studied the tape on him so far and like you're saying that he they're kind of using him more on the outside now compared to like the slot role
0: I've so that's kind of been a theme since since last year. Um, okay. I think he's just they don't they're not they don't even need to. I I think it's less a reflection on Waddle because Waddle's still getting open. Yeah. But Tyreek is just opener and he takes it farther faster. <laughs> and 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 like look man, I know you want to like you want to get the ball to all your dudes, but like this dude's going to get me 20 yards, but this dude might get me 80. Like, and yeah. he's open. I'm going to throw him the ball. So, like, I've watched Waddle. He's he's playing fine. He's not playing any worse than last year. It's not like he's struggling to get separation. Um, He's just not as open as Tyreek Hill. Like, Tyreek Hill is just playing on that level right now.
2: And I also think that's another guy in the third round is T. Higgins, currently wide receiver 90 in PPR. Again, he's been banged up. Um, the initial season of the Bengals looked really disgusting because Joe Burrow was hurt, and the offense, again, was very anemic. He has 37 targets, 14 catches, and two touchdowns. Hopefully the bye let him rest up and kind of correct what the offense was doing,
0: but Jesus Christ, this is like really, really bad. Yeah, I do have a question for you guys. <laughs> is there a chance that Cincinnati beat San Francisco this week?
2: I think, I think so. it's a good chance, yeah. This is going to be, like, fucked up to say, but I think we see 2-2 this year with Brock Purdy if they're rushing him this fast back to the game with his concussion. I agree. Yeah, that's true. So they said that Purdy's going to play? He's trending to play. He's not on the injury diagnosis. What is it, diagnosis? The report? Yeah, injury report. As of right now, I mean, obviously that can change as we go day to day, but as of right now, like, he's practicing in quote-unquote fine, which I think is really dangerous. If they think, pl-
0: if they played him this week, it would not only be malpractice; it would be stupid from a a football, pure football sense. Like, I thought this team was supposed to win in January.
2: Remember when I said the wheels could potentially fall off because their injuries could get really bad, and they have the worst rest rest differential in the NFL. I think we're approaching yes. that point. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, you can't well, predict will...
1: concussions, right? Right. Right. I I will say though that the NFL has done a good job this year, after seeing what happened with Tua last year. Like, uh, there, I think the stat was nobody that has been in concussion protocol has played the following week this year so far. And I think you're right. And I think that uh, if Purdy's symptoms are as bad as they are, I mean, you gotta, you need more than one week to recover from a concussion.
2: This is controversial, but I think it should be one month minimum. Like as violent right, as like, yeah, it right?
1: is, like, like four weeks. I'm, I'm, yeah. It would suck for fantasy, but I'm down.
2: I know teams are gonna bitch because it tanks their entire season, but I think it also plays right. a value on like you, you have to get a good backup, right? Like. You, you pay these sure. quarterbacks to hold the clipboard for right. millions of dollars a month. Like, Hey, maybe you should build a team, not just around one guy. Right. Sure. It makes the game more complex. I mean, sure. like, it, it gets into a whole thing of like what they're gonna do with a tush push, which is stupid because I don't think that, that play should be banned, but no, way. whatever. That's a different con- that That's a different segment.
1: <laughs> right. right. And I like that every team is trying it and. It's really not working for anyone except the Eagles, like the the inventors of it, you know.
2: Like to they're me- the
1: only ones that can do it. What was that? Uh, was it the Bears game or no? What game was it, Tony, where they tried to do it last week, like two or three times in a row and they couldn't do it? Uh, damn, what game was that? It was like funny. It was like they're trying to do it and they, it they ultimately the went to fourth game. down.
0: <laughs> it might have been the Falcons
2: but like to me it's like someone who hasn't watched the game long enough like i understand the the concept that you're pushing from behind but how is it any different than a quarterback sneak
0: it's not it's just a push from behind
2: like if you're going to ban the tush push you have to ban the quarterback sneak cuz you're still putting the quarterback in the same position to get their fucking head ripped off by 300 pounds. right, right? correct all right anyways uh fourth round aaron jones currently rb49 in ppr He's only played in three games, and as well metrics were good when he was on the field, we do have to see him on the field to score points. Hopefully he does return you weeks of hopefully week 12 onward uh, it's for that big playoff push, potentially where the Aaron Jones game happens where he gives you 45, but it honestly might be a little bit too late if you drafted him based on your team going forward. So it, it might be a little emergency button time.
0: LaFleur just said that he's not 100% and they're not rushing him back. Like He said that today. Which is so
2: weird to me because isn't he like on his last year of his contract or like next year's last year where it's like, uh, if you're not going to trade him, like I hate this is a morbid position, but like as a coach, like I get, he's like the biggest part of your offense, but like clearly I don't, they kind of put themselves in a corner, right. With Jordan love of like extending him without knowing how actually he could play. Yes. I I think next year, like they're, I think they're just pressing the stop
0: button and being like, all right, we're just going to try this next year with the same squad. I think that would probably be in their best interests. See what they got in the young guys. Yeah. All right,
2: round five. Another guy who could potentially be traded, DeAndre Hopkins. Currently wide yeah. receiver 52 in PPR. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving as we go deeper into these rounds because it doesn't actually like kill your season completely, but when you're also being drafted as wide receiver 21 and having the output of wide receiver 52 while playing a full healthy season – that just sucks. Like, that's just a straight up landmine. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you
1: guys, you guys said in the offseason Tennessee's where wide receivers go to die?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does have an elite target share of almost 30%, but he's only putting an average of 10 points a week on your team. So if you take out his one boom week where he went eight for 140, he's only putting up like four to five points a week, which like really, really, like he's not even startable.
0: Right. Right. I love that. I love that like in the
2: Discord, you'll see people that are like,
0: yeah, I should probably try to trade Hopkins, and I'm like, what value do you think he has for
2: what? And that's like the problem right with drafting is like the name values. Like you have to sit there and honestly be like, hey, it it just matters production wise. Like I saw, I think it was Matt Harmon on Twitter this week. He was saying he's like, hey, and from a dynasty perspective, if uh, JSN was doing what Puka Nakau was, he'd be rated then higher than uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in regards to like dynasty value. Like he'd, he'd sure. be un- an untradable asset. Yes, But it's the name value, and that's the thing that people carry. It's like, sometimes you just got to look at it from a pure numbers perspective. Yeah, I agree. And here's a guy who we should look at from a pure numbers perspective because he's been absolute dog shit this year in the sixth round. Dalvin Cook, RB63 in PPR. That Uh, was always
1: a bad pick. (laughs) You see the article today where uh, he's requesting to be traded because he doesn't like his usage. Like, dude, you're averaging like three yards a carry. Like... Who, who's going to want you? You're not who you used to be. He's
2: just ring chasing and he realized that as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down even if his lessened role is was still there, he was he, they're not going to make. They might make the playoffs, like the Chargers clearly aren't. So right. They might they might get their wild card spot. Um no, never mind. Just, yeah. three teams from the same division can't go, right? Yeah, they can. Oh, they can. Okay.
1: Yep. Put it uh, this maybe, way. I was looking at I was looking at the lines earlier on FanDuel. Brees or line uh, Brees Hall's line's like what seventy-one or seventy-two and a half. Yep. Uh Dalvin Cook's line is 13 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. was like 35 this week, and I'm like, man, how the mighty have
2: fallen? Yep. So I was honestly gonna choose between Cam Akers and Dalvin Cook here, but we all knew Cam Akers was a landmine going forward. Um where Dalvin Cook maybe could have seen some potential sure. uh Cook has proven that it's it's over for him.
0: Do you remember uh I took that line uh before the season started in our season long props? Dalvin Cook under four and a half touchdowns on the year. Yep. Feels pretty good.
2: <laughs> Does he even have one? No. So his highest output of points came in one singular game, which is 8.9 PPR points against Buffalo, where he obviously had full control of the backfield. After that, he's given you 2.2, 5, 2.8, 2.3, and 2.4 points in PPR per week. So if you're still rosting him, welcome to TH Fantasy. We're glad you can join us for your first episode, and we'll help you get better next year.
0: Yeah, don't do that again.
2: (laughs) All right, seventh round. Talking about Washed. And this person deserves it more than anybody in the NFL. QB 33 piece of shit. Human being Deshaun Watson. Yep. You remember?
0: So, oh God, please. You do this.
2: Um, we'll, we'll do a full punching down segment because I love this shit. Um, I could have done the easy thing and dunked on Aaron Rodgers, but again, I said no season ending injuries. Um, even though he's trying to come back for whatever performative bullshit that he's doing. Um, but Deshaun Watson's washed. He's quitting on the team. None of us would have drafted this piece of shit due to ethics and we are being rewarded it week to week watching this human being fall in front of an entire nation. And it is very sweet and vindicating to me as a hater.
1: Yes. Right. Well, I mean, he had two years, almost two years away from the NFL. It's like, how you, how are you going to think anyone's going to rebound from that and, and be relevant? Did you see that statement when he said that? He's like, I've worked really hard these last two years to come
2: back. And everyone's like, well, where the fuck were you those two years? don't you don't want to say
1: yeah what teams were you playing against were you running full scrimmages i don't think so you were
0: working out on
1: high school high school fields sitting sitting on the bench quitting on your team
2: and sexually assaulting women that's what you Mm. were doing in those two years
0: well 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions like fuck you dude no sympathy
2: it's great i'm so glad though the browns are just fucked for three more years they can't get out of that contract they're doomed do you remember
0: no, when we? gonna pay it. Do you remember when we traded in that uh, that dynasty startup that we did? We traded up to get Fields, which obviously, in hindsight, whatever. But we traded up with a dude that took a bunch of our shit and then used some of that to trade back into like the next round and took Watson. Dude, he's worse than
1: Zach Wilson. And Des- and Desmond Ritter.
0: Oh no, Shane is saying it right here. <laughs> And the dude that did that is one of those people that like is a professional dynasty content creator. Like, just food for thought. None of us know what we're doing.
2: <laughs> we don't. We draft with ethics, so
0: yeah. It's a, yeah, just all it's all, spe- it's all speculation. Yeah, so that's why you never pay for the premium package. Like, it's my next guy, round eight, Pat Fryermuth, tight end, thirty-four. <sighs> this one hurts. An-
2: another dude who's just been like beat up forever.
1: I hate to say it, man. He's like, I mean, he has, he has been injured though. Last few weeks, but
2: he's had, a, he's had a hamstring injury. He's an IR now. Um, yeah, he's just a dude at this point for me, man. Like, like his ceiling is what? 12 points a week. I'm just like, if you're not going to play and you're stuck on the shitty team, especially when you could have players in this tier at, at draft time of Hollywood tour, Jordan Addison.
1: It's right. As soon as I saw that, Pittsburgh drafted Small Hands picket. Like, I knew I was like, don't don't mess around with Friermuth anymore. It's, it's it's done. You
0: got you know, a whole
2: new you got a whole bunch of new toys this year, so you're thriving.
0: The <laughs> listen, like the Friermuth stuff hurts. I'm gonna be real with you. I loved Friermuth this year. He was my I passed on Kelsey Hawkinson and Andrews guy, and yeah,
2: he's he's in the Dallas Goddard tier of like maybe you do something for me
0: and. And like you know, what's weird is I think as the Steelers have like forced Matt Canada to do different things, it makes me realize that the only player in the history of a Matt Canada offense that's ever benefited from his presence might be Pat Fryermuth. I guess I see it. What's what's he doing now? Like Matt Canada has been like trying to open up the playbook a little bit and try to change because people yeah. are like fire this man. And I don't know. I still want to believe in the Muth, but I, you're you're right. It's it sucks, I'll take the owl. There's so
2: much new blood in the, in the NFL with these tight ends this year, especially rookies, just like breaking the the mold of what we thought yeah. rookie tight ends could be, where it's like it, you don't have time to fuck around with people like this anymore.
1: right. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, and now Kincaid's resurgence, <laughs> like, oh my God, that was such a great game. I think there's Knox dude. yeah, Tampa Bay should have <laughs> yeah. won straight up. They should have won that game. Yeah, I feel bad for Dawson Knox because it seems like ever since his brother died or whatever, he's kind of just been disconnected from the game.
0: He's yeah. had terrible uh, luck,
1: too. Yeah. All right, round nine, who
2: you got? Another guy who's had terrible luck. Wide receiver 142, Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't First off, oh, wow. my bad, my bad. I, I caped for him when I did the Pats. I thought he was like a fine wide receiver to replacement, but I didn't realize how bad the Patriots would be this year.
1: Yeah. Nobody expected Belichick to have the two worst games of his career back to back. You know, like I no will say
2: though, saw that Mac Jones looked pretty good last week where I was like, you know what? He may he did, be right? salvageable if they just nuke this, everything and just keep him. Yeah. I think Juju's just the game done competitive. They did. And he kept his his composure. He didn't panic. He looked crisp in the pocket. Um, But yeah, I think Juju's just done. He got his ring. So Godspeed. Yeah. Uh, This next one is another wide receiver. Wide receiver 174. I actually talked about him last week. Quentin Johnston. So we didn't really anticipate a breakout this early. So this one's not as egregious. But it sucks either way because there were other rookies you could have chosen that even though they're like not producing where they should be, they are still producing. And QJ is not on anybody's team right now, and he shouldn't be right now unless you have like a super deep bench or a keeper league.
0: Yeah,
1: or, dyna- or dynasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't trade him. Um, I mean, we left.
0: watched we watched everyone like take him, and I get why. I mean, it's obvious, but like, think about how far Josh Downs fell. He was free. He was a waiver guy. He, yeah, he probably wasn't even drafted. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in like even in like dynasty drafts. Like QJ at one oh eight, you probably passed on Flowers, you probably passed on Achan, and like you definitely passed on, you know, Mims and Yeah M- well and Laporta Mims- and Mayer and- Mims is a frustrating thing
1: because I at this point I'm like don't fucking roster but him in redraft. Shane, <laughs> right Shane, your boy Mims, I heard some rumors that uh Denver's gonna start Dumping a bunch of their receivers, so maybe Mims has a receiver resurgence in the second half of the season. I didn't watch that game, but why did he have minus nine yards?
2: Did they play some stupid yeah. ass like shit sweep? I didn't yeah. watch
1: any of that game.
0: Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a backwards pass that was dumb.
1: Like, but like I said, I, it looks like Denver's gonna start cleaning house and pay uh. Sean Payton's going to start being like, look, I didn't want any of these players. Let's just get rid of them. And he's going to quit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Hopefully, wait. Uh... Do you think it's Friday night, ladies night, yep. and it's o- October 27th. Does anyone get traded before the game's on Sunday? I don't think
1: so. I feel only like get traded after. It depends who sits, right? In the next 36 hours? Yes. For Denver or just anyone?
0: Anybody, because the
1: trade deadline's
0: Tuesday. I could see it. I hope so. I want chaos. I don't know. Yeah. If I, I mean, like, if I'm a GM and I want a guy, I want him now. I don't want to run the risk of the guy that I want and getting hurt this weekend. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Round 11.
2: Sky Moore, wide receiver 100. Granted, we didn't like anticipate anything because, again, we said don't draft KC wide receivers. Um, but what is funny about this tier break is Kansas City receiving options occupy spot 100, 101, 102, and 103 on receivers on the uh, 33rd app. Skymore, MVS, Noah Gray, and Kadarius Tony are all next to each other in fantasy standings, which I find to be really funny.
0: I love that. And, like, hey, man, Rashi Rice has been fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Got a touchdown last
1: week. That was pretty cool to see. He's going to do it again this week. Excellent. a
2: Final round. Again, another my bad. Rashad Penny. Sorry. Apparently, no. he's, he's worse than Kenny Gainwell. I'm shrugging my shoulders at this shit. I don't know what the fuck's happening with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still think Rashad Penny's way better than Kenny Gainwell, but I'm not a coach, so. Twelfth round,
1: whatever. I, I I agree with you, Shane. I mean... On paper, Penny is way better running back than Gainwell, but for some reason, they just trust Gainwell a little bit more to be that backup to Swift. So, I,
0: I he's free. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, right. I know.
2: I'm not upset about it. The first yeah. five rounds were more crippling to your season compared to a guy you probably dropped after week one. But that's that, the that point is... of the
1: exercise. So, and and technically, he's what the third, third no fourth running backs. I mean, you got Hurts, Swift. Gainwell, yeah, he's the fourth.
0: Boston Scott, and even uh, yeah, and even
1: Gainwell's not getting a lot because it, it Hurt, it Hurts, and Swift are just gobbling up all the yards. It's true. So that's yeah. oh that
2: my, God. My, my my haunted lineup,
0: <laughs> dude. At first, I was like, "Yeah, all these guys suck." I was totally out on these guys. And Then a few of them hit pretty close to home. It's always humbling to reflect on the process and be like, "What did we do wrong?" So speaking of reflecting on the process, let's build a DFS lineup that will make us reflect on our process.
2: Hey, dude, we made money last week, right? We did. We cashed. Yes. Yep. We're so fucking God bless you. Lamar Jackson.
0: (laughs) We're so fucking back. All right. So we'll check back in, in a couple minutes. So we'll see you soon. And goodbye. And. (laughs) But <laughs> oh heaven is a place
2: on earth you gotta turn noise suppression off on your computer
0: yeah that i still love it it's it's one of my most favorite bits to edit so we made our, our dfs lineup and a couple like you know i'll run through it a couple of guys i think we should talk about real quick our quarterbacks are Spicey. cj yeah we got cj stroud and trevor lawrence Our running backs are Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, and Gus Edwards. Our receivers are Nico Collins and Christian Kirk. And our tight end is Jake Ferguson. Big Ferg. The Ferg. So I want to talk really quick about why I'm all over CJ Stroud in this Houston's passing game this week. If Brian Burns doesn't play, this game's going to get really ugly. And it might get really ugly anyways. Houston has the best... Per Fantasy Points, defensive-adjusted pass-line matchup this week, they give up pressure at the 23rd highest rate in the league, so they're a pretty good pass-blocking defense. And Carolina has the lowest pressure rate in the NFL. Stroud is,
2: is the fifth-best passer in the NFL rating when not pressured.
0: Really? Because I, yep. I remember reading something like he completes like 77% of his passes.
2: Remember when people said that he can't process the field and like... Yes. He's just a one-read one, one read guy, and then we're like, hey, remember that Georgia game? If he puts that shit together like every game in the NFL, and then we took him over Bryce Young, and here we are.
0: Here we are. Um, also, C.J. Stroud from a clean pocket, nine touchdowns, one interception. Fun, fun fact. Ryan suggested McCaffrey, and when you're trying to play strategically, a play like that I think makes perfect sense. We're all super in on Brees Hall this week. No reason not we're to not. be. Um, the Giants are a terrible rush defense. Uh, I also think you know Brees Hall getting worked back into full full gear after a bye week. I think he's going to get eighteen carries, and that would just be nasty. Nico Collins is sick. Ryan, is Christian Kirk good? Um,
1: yes, he is. Him, he is good.
0: Okay, because because I remember <laughs> like the you know, haters and losers.
1: Yeah, um, and actually his line what is it right now
0: 55 and a half For,
1: yeah 50, why is his line 55 and a half and his receptions four and a half that is i'm exploiting that this week right now it might go up tomorrow but right
0: now his reception line is at four and a half and i'm that's one of my top five bets of the week yeah pittsburgh's pass defense is uh mighty shitty especially against the slot and uh shane christian kirk slot guy right yeah, he runs actually eighty percent
2: of his snaps out of the slot. And remember people in preseason were like, Oh, he's not on three receiver sets. He's not on he's not gonna play it, like, hey, eat my dick.
1: Yeah. yeah. Shut up, nerd. But yeah. By the way, by the way, guys, all you Christian Kirk haters, um remember when <laughs> I said Christian Kirk would uh uh get a thousand yards this season? So this is week eight and he's in the upper 500s for yardage he was at four i think he was at like 480 something going into last thurs, uh last thursday night game and he got 90 yards so he's about 550 to 570 right now so i think he's gonna get a thousand yards
2: okay all right this is a spice right I, I know we're gonna discount because of the injury but does christian kirk finished the season with more yards than cooper cup
1: no, Ooh, that's tough. I mean, cause cups line going into this year, I think was 1225, right? Tony. Yeah. And I took the under on that cause I was all over that hamstring injury and it seemed right at, you know, he missed the first four weeks, but he has just come out and been a target machine, you know, which we all knew was going to happen. I just didn't think, uh, he'd be the same person after that. Ling- lingering hamstring injury, but
0: he's shown that he is him. He's, he's Cooper Cup. Yeah. You yep. um, and we we all love Gus Edwards this week. Um, Arizona's defense has. Yeah. I found out this fun stat: Gus Edwards' rushing line this week is fifty-seven and a half. Arizona has not allowed less than that to any starting running back that they've faced this season.
1: Oh hell yeah! Take, do we th- take a Gus Edwards touchdown this
2: week. There you go. Do, do we think Baltimore does the Baltimore thing and after absolutely dismantling one of the best teams in the NFL, like a small child, that they only put up like 19 points this week and have like the most stagnant offense we see?
0: I think that's
1: possible. We do not, we do not think
0: that, change. <laughs> <Okay>. No, we <laughs> <I do not. laughs> there, You know what? There's always a chance, but at the same time, like, Arizona is still going to give up a lot of yards. If, if Baltimore loses this game, it's going to be another one of those games where they have like eight drop passes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If Baltimore, if Baltimore loses this game, it's going to be like 34 to 30 or something like that. It's going to be a high scoring game. If they lose this game, Kyler starts next week.
0: Oh yeah. We're coming in hot. (laughs) And uh, our tight end this week is Jake Ferguson. And I think that makes for a natural transition. So Ryan, why don't you talk about your mid tier kind of shitty tight end of the week?
1: Of the week. The week, of, the the week, week of the week. So, yeah, that's, that's my uh, mid tier kind of shitty tight end of the week this week. Jake Ferguson, 4,900. He's going to allow you to save on and pay up on a lot of better positions. And I think this matchup against the Rams bodes well for him. He did not have a game or a great game before the bye, the Dallas bye last week. But I think, in my mind, it bodes well. Rams give up like what the fourth or fifth most points to tight ends, I think, something like that. Sure. And he's had plenty of games in, in the games before that, that Ferguson was a target monster for Dak Prescott. And with the way this Dallas offense is working right now, uh, they're favoring the shorter passes. So look for that Jake Ferguson touchdown. That's, that's my mid-tier kind of shitty tight of the week. If you want it, some other guys, sorry.
0: I Go wanted on. to say uh, Dallas gives up the third most fan duel scoring points to tight ends who line up in line where Jake Ferguson runs 56% of his routes.
1: Hell yeah. Some other target monsters this week could potentially be at 5,300, John Smith, and Njoku is back from injury, so he could potentially see a lot, especially if Watson's not playing. Did they say any, it, it, Watson is for sure not going to play, or is he up in the air yeah, he's, right he's now? Yeah, he's, or...
0: ru- he's been ruled out. He's not playing the rest of this year, I'm telling you, right now. Are
1: you sure, For real? You think that?
0: I think so. What do you I think? think him and Danny, well, I think
2: him and Danny dimes are done.
0: Interesting.
1: At, oh, you think Jones is done?
0: He's got they a haven't put injury. him on
1: IR. No. But oh yeah, that's true.
2: I think they're I think they're trying to see where they're gonna put him and they're just gonna shut him down. It doesn't make sense to put him on IR and then take him off and then season end him. I think they're just gonna wait a little bit.
0: True. That makes sense to me. All right. So Jake Ferguson, Janu Smith, and a bit more of a pay-up option there in David Njoku, Ryan's mid-tier kind of shitty tight ends of the week. Shane, what do you got?
2: I got a couple. Um, so obviously, when I did this originally, Stroud was over 235 passing yards, easy W. Brees Hall over 68.5, 6, 5, easy. Christian Kirk over 54.5. Those are from the Superflex lineup we made, but... The, the ones that I got right now, the three that I'd recommend, we you know what's funny is every time I do this, I recommend three and they never fucking hit. And all the other ones I prepare that I don't talk about on air, all hit. Sure. Um, so this is one um, I'm going to probably not do next week because I'm saying I'm going to take this bet until I'm proven wrong. Josh downs over 4.5 receptions. Josh downs has seen seven targets in the last three games. And New Orleans gives up the ninth most points in the NFL to the slot position out of all passing defenses. And I believe that he is the number one target for Gardner Minshew at this point because he's a very easy target. I said this last week too, and I'm gonna keep taking this number until I am proven wrong.
0: Love yeah, that. I'm put, I'm
1: put. I'm putting that in too, Shane. I love that four and a half receptions for him. Yeah, he's gonna get that. He's gonna have six or seven.
2: He's got, I think, five the last three games, or like within a consistent bunch of of games. So it's he's very automatic. It's kind of like Zay Flowers, right? Of like, hey if it's around 5 just take it over every time. Um speaking of taking another over, I have AJ Brown over 88.5 yards. I know Ryan said uh, off air that his receptions is over 5.5 right now, which is just stupid because mm-hmm.
0: Seems, he's going to break yeah.
2: He's going to break Calvin Johnson's record this week because he's the new king in town. He dominates the single man coverage. And Washington runs the second highest rate of single man coverage, and I honestly believe that this is going to be a slaughter of the commanders. Yep. I and I got a I got a spicy one as a broken Chargers fan. Um, I would take the DJ Moore over 4.5 reception, and I would also take the over on the Tyson Bajant over 199.5 passing yards. Oh my god! Ooh. I think I think Chicago wins. I really honestly do. I don't know if it's because I'm just broken as a Chargers fan or you guys are, like,
1: outbreaking me from tenure I, of Bears No, fandom, I, th- but I, like, I, I think that's what it is, Shane. I think that <laughs> you're just a broken Chargers fan.
2: I, I don't know. <laughs> you guys' past defense is better now. Like, I guess the O-line is what, like, gets crushed by our get, past defense. Yeah, but like, I
1: guess we saw some glimpses, but...
0: our Our favorite teams combined, I feel like we've downplayed the fact that this is, like the TH Fantasy, like, week where our our favorite teams go head-to-head, and this is absolutely a mid-off.
2: This was the game I was supposed to be out there, right? And then we're like, oh shit, it's in LA, never mind. So Yeah,
0: this game is going to be a fucking mid-off so hard. We're going to see so much bad play-calling. We're going to see so much bad football. I think, like, there, were, both teams are bad in different ways, and neither are fun. Nope. They're both miserable in their own reflection
2: because I'm so traumatic, right? I just see the score being like seventeen to fourteen or seventeen yeah. to thirteen. And then yes. the Chargers have the ball with a minute fifty left. You guys blitz three times in a row. Justin Herbert panics because he has to carry the fucking offense for the whole tenure of the <laughs> game. Then he throws a pick yet again and everyone gets on Twitter saying he's overrated and he's not a clutch quarterback. And we just repeat this shit until the season's over.
0: I okay if we were if this is what we want to do this is how (laughs) this is how I think the game is going to go uh I think the Chargers are going to win I think it's going to be I think it's going to be 24 to 24 to 10 and I think it'll be 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter the Bears will be once again in a game they have no business being in and the Chargers will seal it with a defensive touchdown
2: that's fair I think that's realistic
0: I mean everyone in Chicago is like Tyson Bajan man Tyson Bajan I'm like he played the fucking Raiders Raiders yeah (laughs) and and you know what's funny is if he plays well this week he played the fucking Chargers yeah that's why I I just want to take it over
2: like the pass rush is decent
0: right I honestly pray to God
2: we trade Joey Bosa before the deadline yeah I think that pass defense is Mm
0: -hmm. DJ Moore is going to have another week I really do. We'll see if Tyson Bajan can throw the ball further than nine yards downfield.
2: He doesn't need to. Just get him the, the 4.5 yards. Every Chargers defensive <laughs> dude
0: has butter
2: for fingers, and they will not be able
0: to tackle him. I'm just telling you now. <laughs> okay. So Shane likes overs on CJ Stroud's passing yards, Brees Hall's rushing yards, Christian Kirk's receiving yards, Josh Downs receiving yards, A.J. Brown receiving yards, D.J. Moore receptions. Uh, Sorry, Downs was also catches. And Tyson Bajan at 199.5 passing, which is truly disgusting. Hey, no hater parlay this week, all right? I'm a believer because Mac
2: Jones threw two touchdowns last week. (laughs) What
0: the fuck? Shane, I don't think I really knew exactly how little faith you had in your favorite football team until you put money on Tyson Bajan to do well (laughs) against them. Like, that's... Now I feel like I understand.
2: Dude, we should have lost to fucking Aiden O'Connell. Okay, we should have lost the Raider game. I'm just saying. (laughs)
0: That's and and I mean oh, wow. the, Bear, the Bears were up three touchdowns on Denver and lost <laughs> Ex- so so keep we we have a, a mid off in in uh, L A on Sunday night. All right, Ryan, let's go far away from these shitty football teams. Take us on a <laughs> trip. Yeah, let's go to a town
1: that doesn't have a National Football League team. Tony. Let's cue up the banjo music because we're going to, we're going to a town that is still in tornado alley. We're only deviating 175 miles from last week's uh, town from Tulsa. Let's go to Springfield, Missouri. Ooh, this is one of my favorite towns because Bass (laughs) pros, uh, headquarters is in this town. (laughs) The, the CEO and, uh, Inventor of Bass Pro Straps is from this town. So Springfield, Missouri has a lot of rich history, and we'll talk about a couple We'll talk about a couple haunted places that are in this town But first this was one stop away from Oklahoma and a lot of people uh, Sorry, not a lot of people a lot of the Native Americans stopped. This was a part of the Trail of Tears This was like the last stop before they got to Oklahoma The town of Springfield, Missouri was named by James Wilson, who was uh, from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and basically he was like, well, this is, I'm from Springfield, Massachusetts, let's just name this Springfield. And that was back in the early 1800s. The Kickapoo and Osage uh, Native Americans are from this area. Let's see. We have the Springfield Cardinals. They are the AA affiliate for the St. Louis Cardinals. Springfield, Missouri has the world's largest fork. It's 35 (laughs) uh, feet tall. Um... (laughs) And this was done by their uh, division of tourism to entice people to come and eat a lot of their good food and a lot of their restaurants in the town. Uh, it, it wasn't made and it was made within the last 20 years as a, like a tourist thing. It is the birthplace of actually Route 66. Um, we all know Route 66 goes from Chicago to LA, but Springfield, Missouri was the first town to pr- propose this route. Um, until it eventually got, you know, the the route was made, and you know the rest is history. The famous dish from Springfield, Missouri, is actually a, a Chinese Mandarin dish, cashew chicken. Um, oh. It was first it was first served at Grove Supper Club in the 60s um, as a way to get people to travel to this town. And I don't know if you guys have ever ordered cashew chicken, but generally, like up here. It's chicken with sauce and cashews and, like, celery and random vegetables. But what they do in Springfield is they deep fry the chicken before they add it to the sauce and everything. It makes it unique. I might take the 11-hour trip down there to go try that. Uh, (laughs) Sounds really good. One of our famous presidents, Ronald Reagan, uh, had his first film premiere at a Springfield theater in the 50s uh the film was called the winning team i think it was like 52 in so late earlier in this year uh march 9th 2023 springfield was announced as the first of four teams in a new league in a new arena league football uh startup uh that will start in 2024 the ozark lunkers will will (laughs) host um (laughs) <laughs> will host uh, games at the newly built Wilson Logistics Arena. Of course. Right. So, in the spirit of Halloween, let's talk about a couple haunted places that are from from this area. Let's go to the Lander's Theater. All right. It's said to be haunted by a vaudeville stagehand who hung himself from the rigging above the stage and his ghost to know his ghost is known to walk around the catwalks at that theater, um, people have also reported seeing a man in one of the fourth-floor windows. I actually looked up some of these pictures, and it's it's super creepy. Like, it's an old uh, downtown theater, four stories tall, and this this entity is never seen inside the theater. It's only seen while looking at the outside, and it's in the fourth-floor window. There are eerie reports of sounds of a mother. And a crying child in seat inside the theater when people search for the pair, no one is found. This theater is so famous for its ghosts, they actually have haunted tours. They're doing tours uh, this, you know, actually yesterday and today as part of their Halloween celebration. Um, but one of the most famous uh, haunted places is the Pythian Castle. All right, and this this building looks creepy as hell too. And I, I just started looking this up, and I'm like, oh my god, this there's like a secret society called called the the, the Knights of Pythias. All right, this this castle was originally developed as like a retirement home for like people of this um, fraternal order that were. Um, it it was it was weird so the Knights of Pythias are a fraternal organization and secret society founded in Washington DC in 1864 all right the Knights of Pythias are actually the first fraternal organization to receive a charter under the act of the United States Congress yeah. It was founded by uh, Justus Rathbone, who had been inspired by a play by the Irish poet John Bannam um, about the legend of Damon and Pythias. The legend illustrates the ideals of loyalty, honor, and friendship and are the center of that order. At one time, the order had over 2,000 lodges in the United States and around the world, with a total membership of over 50,000 in 2003. Holy shit. Um, wow.
2: Right.
1: Right. Yeah. You have to be at least 18 years of age and you have to recite the following oath. All right. This is kind of long, but. Ryan's adding himself as a
2: member right now.
1: Right. I kind of get get, uh, intrigued by learning about all this stuff. And this is, so you have to recite, I declare upon honor that I believe in a supreme being, that I am not a professional gambler are unlawfully engaged in the wholesale or retail sale of intoxicating liquors or narcotics, and that I believe in the maintenance of the order and upholding of constituted authority in the government in which I live. Moreover, I declare upon honor that I am not a communist or fascist, that I do not advocate, nor am I a member of any organization that advocates the overthrow of the government of the country, which I am a citizen, by force or violence or other unlawful means, and that I do not seek force or violence to deny to other persons their rights under the laws of such country. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting because I had never heard I had never heard of the society uh, before that. And Why this... is gambling the first line? That's such a
2: weird. Like... Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it
1: was it was you know it was it it, it was Missouri, so it was technically considered the West in the, in the middle 1800s. You know, so a lot there was no law, you know, basically back then, uh, and everyone gambled. Yeah, you ever played Red Dead Redemption 2? Come on. That's true. You, shoot, you shoot that fucker when he hits the river on your ass. Mm-hmm. Right. People have claimed to see a lot of apparitions in this, in this place, because as I said, it was an orphanage and retirement home for members of the Knights of Pythias and was later owned by the military. It served as a prisoner of war camp actually zach baggins uh from ghost uh, ghost adventures did a episode <laughs> uh, at, at this place and i'm going to watch that soon because uh, i love ghost adventures and just seeing all the hokey shit that they come up with and all the all the technology they have nowadays that basically is just like ai and making up shit you know that's coming out of nowhere right but let's all right, let's 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 go to another thing now. Let's talk about some famous people that are from this town. Here we go. All right, so we have, as I said before, John Morris, the founder and majority owner right now of Bass Pro Shops. We have David Glass, uh, former CEO of Walmart and the current owner of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, we have um, great uh, physicist and astronomer, Edwin P. Hubble. Uh, who died in the 30s. He's not responsible for um, making the Hubble telescope, but because of his theories that he came up with, they named the Hubble telescope after him. We have Jimmy Angel, an aviator in the early aughts, 1900s. He actually discovered Angel Falls in Venezuela. He was the first person to, like, fly through that jungle. And in terms of Western society, the first person that discovered it. Sure, sure. Jerry Jones is not from here. But he worked in Springfield, Missouri um, with his father, uh, who owned an insurance company at the time. We've got the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. Ooh. They're the famous They're the famous band from the 70s and 80s. They wrote uh, Jackie Blue, you know? Okay, yeah. We've got Doriel Green Beckham, uh, NFL oh. player for the Titans and the Eagles and the teens, the 20-teens. He got arrested a bunch, I feel like. I think so, yeah. Uh, we've got Ryan Howard. Hey! Two, 2005 Rookie of the Year and 2006 Home Run Derby winner. Yep. We've got Stan Musial, a Hall of Fame baseball player for the Cardinals and also played for the Springfield Cardinals, who have a rich history back to the uh, 1910s and 20s. That's when that team started. We've got Payne Stewart, a famous golfer who was like living the top of his game in the 90s and uh, was in a tragic plane accident. And he was like only 42 when he died and he was in a Learjet and it, the cabin didn't pressurize right. And oh. so like everyone got, got knocked out and the plane just went on autopilot until it crashed in South Dakota when it ran out of fuel. Um, it was a really, Jeez. really tragic accident because this guy, at the time, was—he had made over like twelve million dollars in his career. Just a, a horrible accident. We've got John Goodman, hey. famous actor from from everything, from everything. Yes. You know. Uh, um, we also have Bob Barker, uh, oh. famous host of The Price Is Right, is, is from Springfield, Missouri. And I don't know if you guys would ever guess this, but Brad Pitt is from Springfield, Missouri. That oh, is shit. where he was born.
2: Yep. He's got to be the hottest person coming out of that town.
1: Oh, Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, really quick. Uh, uh, Jalen Acklin, Canadian football league player. Uh, sorry. Very oh, important. forgot to put him in there. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, that's Springfield, Missouri. Um, a town that is now on my list of places that I want to travel to and is actually within a decent driving distance, and I might do that next year. Uh, it seems like it's got more and more. I looked up about it. They have a, a really good um, foodie scene. Um, like I mentioned, they they tried to get people to go to that town with that giant fork, and they have <laughs> that famous Chinese restaurant with the cashew chicken. Uh, I, I feel like I need to try that. Um, so... Where's the Springfield, Missouri? Where's the diamond or the pyramid
2: Bass Pro Shops? Memphis. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you gotta
2: add that. You should just do the Bass Pro Shops tour, Ryan.
1: A- well, Bass Pro Shops is also melded with Cabela's now. Um, okay. Cabela's was from Omaha, and the rivals, like five, six, seven years ago, decided, hey, let's become one. And. Dude, I get yeah.
2: I get the worst anxiety attacks whenever I go into a Bass Pro Shop. It's like I I walk through those giant halls and I feel like I've entered like not the world I exist in and it's just like so daunting to me. I have to leave within five minutes every time. I don't know why it is, but it just like breaks my brain. Same with IKEA. Do you guys have do you guys have IKEA out there?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. So going to Bass Pro Shops slash Cabela's like me is like that episode uh, of South Park where Cartman goes to Casa Bonita. Yeah. That's what my ex- my that's what my experience <laughs> uh-huh. of going to Bass Pro shops is like. Oh, let's go over here. Let's go <laughs> over there. Let's go fish in the pond. Yep. <laughs> it's really cool stuff, but like I'm not in like to the only ever
2: like quote unquote hunting culture I've ever done is fish. So like going to like as a, a California guy seeing like all the gun racks and shit, my brain's just like
1: I don't know how to process. Well, oh, yeah, this. you're you're <laughs> from California. Like, the, to hunt with a gun is basically illegal out there, <laughs> um, <laughs> or, I, or to
0: even to even own a gun. I I do want to say that uh, I had this little thing that I wanted that I put together during your Springfield story. I found two musicians that I'd like to talk about. Sure, there's a bunch of bunch of people. Yeah, but they all don't do things that I find interesting. So. <laughs> So I found two of them. I found 1950s singer-songwriter Jim Lowe, and I found late 90s, early 2000s Christian contemporary rock singer Sarah Groves. All right? Okay. I'm going to name you guys five album titles, and I want you to tell me if it's 1950s singer-songwriter or contemporary Christian rock. Hell yeah. You ready? Yep. Number one. Tell me what you know. Christian Rock. Yeah. Alright, you're both correct. That is Christian Rock. Number two. Invisible Empires. First one. 50s? You are both incorrect. Whoa. That's Christian Rock.
2: Well, I mean, it makes sense more like conspiracy theory shit, but that's a different conversation.
0: True. Prince of Peace.
1: That's gotta be Christian.
0: Yeah. You are incorrect. That is 1950s singer-songwriter. It's about Santa. Number four, The Bright Light. It's got to be Christian. That's bait. I'm going first one. (laughs) Shane is correct. (laughs) All right. Last but not least, The Tiebreaker. Ryan, you you can get a tie if you get this right and Shane gets it wrong. Station Wagon, Songs for New Parents. Ooh. I'm gonna say 50s. I'm
1: going Christian rock. It is Christian rock. Damn it! (laughs) That one was was more obvious, so I was like, "Ah, go." They gotta compete
2: with like Bluey and shit, so they have to they have to do modern day stuff.
0: Yeah. So shout out to Station Wagons, Um, Springfield, Missouri. That was nice. I wonder if when you go there, Ryan, can you get me like a replica of the giant fork, but like regular fork size?
1: Yeah, I'll, it'll be a, you know, a, a 135th replica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, America. Well, well, no, Not
1: even 135th because it's 35 feet tall, so that'd still be a foot-long fork. So <laughs> That'd be an awesome fork.
2: That'd be my Leche go-to fork. A, Leche needs a scratching post.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true. Yep. All right, so that was episode 104. How about it? That felt pretty good, you guys. Um. Thanks for sticking around. We have no teams on by this week, which is pretty great. Uh, We'll come back at you with, yeah, we'll come back at you with 105, and then 106 is when we start having our rounds of guests. So we have that to look forward to. Hopefully we got some trades.
1: Yeah, Yeah, let's hope for some trades. yeah, we'll we'll talk about the trade deadline next weekend, yeah.
0: Yep. So let's call it here, and thank you guys for coming, and uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next week peace oh yeah good night everybody. good luck to
1: everyone in fantasy week eight
0: goodbye i hope they fucking lose